Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Dripping with sweat, a teamster dies due to excessive heat at a Kroger distribution center in Tennessee. Honor the right to organize a message to Hyundai's EV plants in the South. And today on the show, the president of North America's building trades unions and Iron Workers Local 55 in Northwest Ohio. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 30th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Sean McGarvey returns to America's Workforce today. He is, of course, the president of NABTU, North America's Building Trades Unions. I'll tell you what a career he has had. Sean started his building trades career with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. We're going back to 1981 in Philadelphia. He worked his way up through various leadership positions with the painters. Back in 2005, Sean was elected secretary-treasurer of NABTU, and then in 2012, he was elected unanimously to the office of president. He is a respected union construction thought leader among labor, government, corporate, and private sectors. In fact, Sean has dedicated his life to improving the economic security and career opportunities of current and future construction workers as well as their families. Sean has led the development and expansion of apprenticeship readyship programs. We'll talk about that to recruit more communities of color, women, veterans, indigenous people, and the justice involved in the building trades. He has procured practices, grew partnerships with top Wall Street and Bay Street investment firms, supporting job-creating enterprises in commercial, industrial, residential construction, private, public infrastructure. He served on several private and public sector boards, including the AFL-CIO Housing Investment Trust, Trades Futures, Helmets to Hard Hats, Center for Construction Research and Training, National Coordinating Committee for Multi-Employer Plans. Sean has a bachelor's degree in business administration, and he's a graduate of the Harvard University Trade Union Program. Clearly a sharp guy and perfect for today's show because we're going to talk about new Davis-Bacon rules. We touched on this briefly a couple of weeks ago, but the building trades unions are cheering new regulations from the, believe it or not, almost century-old Davis-Bacon Act. Regulations that will mean higher pay for construction workers, especially in rural areas. Now, this was announced in the beginning of the month, and the rules set prevailing wages for federally funded construction projects. And this is all a follow-up to the $1.2 trillion infrastructure law. The key change, the key change is to undo Republican-engineered prevailing wage rates, which reduced 
both how many construction workers Davis-Bacon would cover and the levels of prevailing wages set in each specific geographic area for each construction craft. We'll get into the details on that, and we'll talk about the fight. This is a fight that goes back, my gosh, to the 1980s. And the conservatives, well, they have done everything possible to keep wages low. Well, that is going to change under this administration. We'll also talk about what the Department of Labor is doing to help underserved communities. Got a story recently, and this is from uh, maybe about two weeks ago, where the Department of Labor awarded almost $12 million to help organizations prepare young people for the workforce in underserved communities. Grants will be awarded in Georgia, New York, and the state of Ohio. And this is a big pitch for Sean McGarvey, as I referenced. He has done everything possible to get more people, women, minorities involved in the trades. Why? Because it is the pathway to the middle class. Sean will also talk about a recent agreement, and this is all posted on the NAB2 website, nabtu.org. And this is an agreement that the building trade signed with Bechtel and General Motors. And it's a project labor agreement for the Thacker Pass Project, which will tap into the largest deposit of lithium in North America. Sean is quoted as saying this state-of-the-art project will aid in creating a fully domestic supply chain of the critical resources necessary to deploy clean as well as renewable energy. All right, so Sean's going to be our first guest on the show. Later in the show, we're going to go to uh, the Toledo area, Toledo, Ohio, Northwest Ohio, and check in with Rob Monak. Rob uh, serves as business development, workforce development, and an organizer for Local 55, which is comprised of more than 1,000, 1,000 of the most highly skilled and trained construction professionals throughout Northwestern Ohio. We've been serving our contractors in 18 counties with quality work for over 100 years. That's right uh, from their website. So we'll talk about the uh, the area, the workforce development, apprenticeship programs, and uh, a lot of work. A lot of work in various parts of the country, and Toledo is no exception. So he will be our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. A Kroger Distribution Center employee has died on the job in Memphis amid hot working conditions, adding to a national debate in this country over the risk to workers during heat waves. The workers identified as Tony Rufus. He's a member of Teamster Local 667. Leaders of the Teamster said Tony was trying to cool off in the produce section after becoming overheated. This was on Friday night. He worked in the salvage department, a part of the facility that did not have air conditioning. They found him dead about 8.13 Friday night. One union leader, Maurice Wiggins of 667, said he was dripping with sweat, asking for water. Wiggins said Rufus died on a dock in front of his co-workers. His death comes after his union has been asking the company for more breaks, cooler temperatures, and drinks other than just water. 
In response to Rufus's death, this is what Kroger had to say. The safety of our associates has always been our top priority. Kroger's supply chain continues to take the necessary steps to ensure a safe working environment for our associates. We have contacted the associates' family to offer our condolences and support during this difficult time. Meanwhile, Memphis police say they are investigating. Now, you have to know this. Unions across the country are demanding for better, cooler working conditions because of this record-breaking heat wave. Despite this, conservative political forces are pushing back. Lobbyists from the agriculture and construction industries are working to prevent heat protection laws from going into effect at the state and federal levels. The Biden administration, now they have proposed federal regulations requiring workers to be protected from the heat, but so far nothing, nothing at all. In June, we've talked about this on the show, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, a Republican, signed a law that eliminated local rules requiring water breaks for workers. And shortly after that law was passed, a 35-year-old utility lineman, this was in Marshall, Texas, died after experiencing heat illness symptoms. That same month, unions representing UPS workers, many of whom drive delivery trucks without any air conditioning, threatened to strike if their demands for heat productions protections were not met. Well, if you go back to uh, 2011, there have been 400 and 36 work-related deaths caused by environmental heat exposure. This is according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, according to uh, UPS company records obtained by the Washington Post, at least 143 UPS employees were hospitalized for heat or dehydration-related injuries. This was between 2015 and last year, 2022. Last week, after threatening to organize what could have been the largest single employer strike in U.S. history, UPS workers were awarded a new contract that met their demands, including a provision that would require every new UPS truck to be equipped with air conditioning starting next year. Now, there's one local in Florida that want that to happen right away for obvious reasons. It's Florida, and they're still working that out. In a statement issued last Tuesday, Sean O'Brien, president of the Teamsters, said this contract will improve the lives of hundreds of thousands of workers. Teamsters have set a new standard and raised the bar for pay, benefits, and working conditions in the package delivery industry. This is the template for how workers should be paid and protected nationwide. And non-union companies like Amazon, well, they better pay attention. You know that's eventually going to happen. They're going to have to do something at Amazon. I want to call attention to a show that we did just a couple of days ago. This was a Friday show. If you go to awfpodcast.com, we did a show with uh, Marcy Goldstein-Gelb. She's the co-director of a great organization that has been on top of this issue for years. That's NCOSH, the National Council for Occupational Safety and Health. And she talked about what needs to be done in the United States, on the state and federal levels, and the lackluster response from various people in government, including the Biden administration. They were kind of slow on this. OSHA has not yet decided 
the details of a long-awaited heat safety rule. They've been talking about it, but still nothing done yet. AWFpodcast.com. A coalition of unions and civic groups in Georgia and Alabama is launching a pressure campaign targeting Hyundai's electric vehicle plants and clean energy suppliers. Labor leaders in the South have emphasized that despite pro-union provisions in President Biden's three signature bills, the infrastructure package, a $280 billion measure to rekindle a domestic semiconductor industry, and the Inflation Reduction Act, which included $370 billion for clean energy to combat climate change. Well, electric vehicle manufacturers like Hyundai expected to reach reap huge benefits from the new legislation if chosen to produce cars in union hostile locations, right to work states. Got a comment here from the coalition. Union leaders and allies are pressing automakers shifting to electric vehicles to honor the right to organize, take the necessary steps to avoid plant closings and provide training programs to help workers transition into new jobs at comparable wages. Amen to that. And one more here in the latest installment of summer labor activity in Hollywood, Disney visual effects workers have filed for a union election following the example of Marvel VFX workers who filed earlier this month. Now, if successful, the workers would be the first members of IATSE, a union representing a broad swath of workers in film production, and the workers are seeking to capitalize on a summer of solidarity between striking writers, actors, hotel workers, and others. Yeah, a lot of strikes going on right now. All right, quick break. Sean McGarvey, president of the Building Trades, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. 
America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this uh, next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, line number one. Welcome our featured guest for the day. That would be the president of NABTU, North America's Building Trades Unions, and that would be Sean McGarvey. And he's here to talk about, well, the first thing he's going to talk about is some changes in prevailing wage rules and regulations. And it's really sad, too, because, you know, when they started prevailing wage, which was almost a century ago, good intentions. But then again, politicians have their way of whittling things away from workers. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about on the show today. Sean, welcome back to America's Workforce. Thanks for for joining us today. Maybe you can... Give us uh, some of the insight of what happened here, because this was very, very long in coming. No doubt about that. I'm going to let you pick it up from there, brother. Go ahead. Well, thank you. And good afternoon. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's, a, again, an exciting time for us. Uh, as uh, long last, we've got the uh, Davis-Bacon uh, rules uh, updated. And the Davis-Bacon Act, uh, part of the New Deal, uh, set minimum standards for construction workers so that uh, uh, workforces couldn't be brought into communities and exploit low wages. And uh, that uh, law works sensationally if you follow the trend lines of the country um, all the way up until the 80s uh, to the height of the uh, bargaining power of the middle class. And then with the Reagan administration coming in, uh, they made some drastic changes to it in 82. Uh, continued uh, year after year uh, for the next couple of administrations and Congresses to uh, to weaken the law. And if you, again, follow the trajectory of uh, working people in this country, you can see decline in earning power um, through that time period, through the 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s, uh, up until uh, just recently. Uh, so with this update of these rules, back to the original congressional intent, uh, pre-Reagan, uh, it's going to put uh, more money in construction workers' pockets. It's going to guarantee uh, uh, wise use of uh, federal dollars in direct construction and support of construction, and it's going to uh, put the emphasis on the cheaters and the low-road uh, contractors out there who try to exploit a workforce and skirt the rules. So we're very excited about uh, the changes that have been announced. Yeah, and there's a lot of contractors that do skirt the rules. Can you explain how they weakened those regulations back in the 80s? I know that's when you really got involved in the trades. You started with the painters and allied trades, I see, in 1981. So this all happened when you entered the trades. But what what did they actually do to uh, to strip away these protections from workers, Sean? Well, there was a three-step rule. Uh, that had been in place for 50 years, and it was upended by the, the Reagan administration. Uh, they went to a different method of calculating the prevailing wage you know, that resulted in widespread utilization of artificially weighted averages uh, that do not mirror actual wages paid to workers. Uh, average rates paid uh, to no one are not prevailing wages, obviously, and such watered-down wages not only hurt workers but made it difficult for hydro contractors to compete 
for federally and federally assisted contracts. And uh, the final rule here abandons that Reagan area methodology. Um, currently, Davis-Bacon rates are based on collective bargain, uh, bargain rates and updated every year in accordance with negotiated wage escalators. In contrast, uh, Davis-Bacon rates based on weighted averages uh, do not get updated between surveys. As a result, uh, many uh, weighted average uh, wage rates across the country are way out of date. And a 2011 GOA study found that nearly 50% of all weighted average rates were 10 or more years old. So low rates depress local area standards and put responsible union contractors at competitive disadvantage when bidding on federal and federally assisted contracts. Um, and you can see how that would compound itself uh, decade over decade when they finally did up, update the rules after or update the, the weighted averages as low as they were um, after 10, 12, 15 years, then they compounded the problem. We have places still in this country where for certain craft classifications, the, the federal Davis prevailing weight, uh, uh, rate is less than the federal minimum wage, if you can believe that. Oh, that's crazy. Oh. And it all started in the 80s. Here's my question, Sean. How come this took 40 years? I mean, I, mean I, I, know, I know you support Biden and all that, and Marty Walsh was a great uh, labor secretary. Um, I'm just wondering why it took so long, and I'm sure he had a big role in this, right? He had a huge role. I mean, he was somebody that came out of this industry that, that worked with uh, uh, not only the union um, contracting community, but also uh, trying to help the open shop or the non-union worker. And he would see uh, money come into Boston uh, and the surrounding area, federally assisted, and the wage rates that were being paid made it almost impossible uh, for high road contractors to compete. So uh, he had a huge priority on this, as we did for years, uh, but never could really convince anybody to tackle it. Uh, when Marty Walsh became labor secretary with the backing of a president who said we're going to build a, the middle class from the, from the bottom up and the middle out, Mm-hmm. Um, they got to work on this. It took quite a bit of time. It's a, it's a big rule. Uh, it's a lot of guidance. And, um, you know, so he gets uh, kudos because without Marty Walsh, uh, I don't think this happens. And nobody else, uh, you know, really had the experience of Marty Walsh as labor secretary to really understand this problem. So presidents have the power to to make these kind of changes now can congress and this is the part that scares me you know there's some people in congress that say oh this is a big benefit to unions those union bosses you you know the drill i mean you know what's going Mm -hmm. on especially from the far right now can they somehow push back on this kind of thing or this pretty much a done deal no this is this is this is a done deal now that doesn't mean a future president and a uh, future uh, Labor Department could make changes a la uh, the Reagan administration. Uh, Congress could pass legislation um, to change it. Uh, we feel confident that we have enough bipartisan relationships that uh, that wouldn't be a congressional act. Um, but the bottom line is that uh, uh, presidents do have the power. Um, they could weaken it. Uh, but again, if you're trying to build a vibrant, rebuild a vibrant middle class in this country 
one of the surest ways to make your way to the middle class is through the construction industry, the unionized construction industry predominantly. But this, these changes benefit the open shop people that are uh, working across this country as much as they do the union side. It protects right. their wages um, and makes sure that they get paid. And if they do not get paid the proper wages, there's a vehicle for them to go and um, and claim their uh, their rightfully earned wages through uh, complaints with the Labor Department. We always say unions lift all boats, and this is a perfect example of this. Um, does this go in effect immediately then, Sean? Yes, it's in effect. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're already seeing, uh, for instance, um, some uh, effect just uh, within the last couple of days, a major solar project in uh, Iowa that was going to be built non-union. Uh, but wants to take advantage of the tax credits that came through the Inflation Act, um, decided that in order to get that 30% uh, federal subsidy, that it was better off uh, building it under a PLA where the union wages would match the uh, prevailing wages, so there was no real benefit for them to do it Mm non-union. So, yes, it's in effect, and it's working well already. Sean, I'm just thinking about what, uh, what Reagan did 40 years ago. And um, I'm and I, I don't know if there's any data on this, but I'm just thinking how many workers got screwed on wages over that time period. It has it has to be monumental, has to be millions, if not billions of dollars. Has anybody taken a look at that and on what effect that policy change has done? And, and now now the switch over, everything's going to change. Has, have, has anybody looked into that, Sean? I'm, I'm, I know there's some there's some uh, the papers that have been written on it by academics, but again, if you just follow the the wage uh, disparity in the country, you can pretty much trace it um, exacerbating under the Reagan administration up until the Biden administration. And these rules, like other rules, uh, labor standards, uh, protected rights uh, for workers in this country, have been you know, died a, a death of a thousand paper cuts. So it wasn't these grand sweeping changes they made all at once. It was a small change here and a small change there and another change here and another change there. And mm-hmm. pretty soon, uh, it just it just tore apart uh, the protections that were in place for 50 years that built the middle class prior to that. One more question on this, uh, Sean. Uh, enforcement here. If somebody is violating this kind of thing i understand that maybe that will be beefed up as well do we know any anything about that yeah no they've 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 made the prerequisite uh allocations of the funding that they get from congress to provide for the enforcement uh, of these rules uh but that's another that's another area where you know there is some uh risk to enforcement because congress controls the budget and if you're paying attention to what uh the magnet Republicans in Congress want to do is after they did the budget deal, now they want to cut the appropriations bills and the appropriations bills for the agencies are which run uh, the agencies and all the programs therein, including the Davis-Bacon Act. So uh, by cutting uh, 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 the subsidy that goes to running those agencies, in effect, they have to make decisions on how to allocate the money within the agencies unless it's specifically targeted for a specific program, um, and that's where you could lose some of the enforcement because you wouldn't have the resources to put the people on the street to investigate the complaints.
Yeah. Well, we've seen that with OSHA over the years. There's some members in Congress that want to see OSHA go away altogether. So if they don't Absolutely. like the laws, just cut the funding to support those laws. That's that's the that's, M.O. That's, that's what they do, not just in the federal government. They do it in states also. Yep. Sean McGarvey joining us on our live line today. He's president of the North America Building Trades Unions. NAB2.org national website will continue with him later in the show. We're going to check in with... Rob Monak, who is with Ironworkers Local 55, that's our new partnership with the Great Lakes District Council of Ironworkers. They're about 1,000 strong in northwestern Ohio, and they're building a lot of stuff over there. We'll talk about it later in the show, back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. .org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBalletSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Let's go back to our 10-star guest today. That would be uh, Sean McGarvey, president of NAB2, North America's Building Trades Unions. NAB2.org is the uh, national website. All right, we talked about these uh, new Davis-Bacon rules. You're telling me, I guess, there's some uh, new guidance that was issued just yesterday from the Treasury Department about labor standards when it comes to tax credits. Sean, this sounds pretty exciting. What's what's going on here? Well, uh, you know, the 
the federal government has been supporting new technologies for you know forever, but particularly in uh, on the energy side, you know, for the last twenty five years and. 25 years ago or so, um, you know, almost all funding for programs in the federal government came through direct appropriations through com- the committee structure in Congress and then passed into law. Um, but uh, creative accounting started and these tax credit programs and other things um, to push the actual cost out past the 10-year budget window, which is they, which they use as their guide on spending. Um and we did not have uh, labor standards in these tax credit programs. So you think the investment tax credit or the production tax credit for energy, this would be solar and wind. Um, so there was never any Davis-Bacon or prevailing wage coverage in those tax credit programs. And those tax credit programs, if you think about it, a $100 million windmill farm, the federal government was putting up $25 million to $30 million. Mm-hmm. of the hundred million and there was no protections for the people that were actually building those wind farms. So finally in the inflation reduction act, we were able to secure uh, Davis bacon prevailing wage coverage for these tax credit programs. And there's a long list of them. Um, and the treasury department just put out the guidance yesterday, which basically says if you want a tax credit, you can get a small percentage tax credit, but if you want the five times tax credit, which is about 30% of the cost of the, of the project that you're applying for, you have to pay Davis-Bacon wage rates and you have to use registered apprenticeship utilization in order to procure that 30% subsidy for your project. So labor standards are now embedded in the United States tax code for the first time in our history. So it was a really big day for us on that also, continuing the string of victories um, latest being the changes to the original intent on the Davis-Bacon Act and now getting coverage on these tax credit programs. That is really good to hear because a, a lot of the policies in the first two years of the Biden administration, we're seeing a lot of new plants pop up, especially in the South, in right-to-work states. I was just talking about this at the beginning of the show where a couple of unions and civic groups in Georgia and Alabama they're uh, they're launching a, a campaign targeting Hyundai's electric vehicle plants because uh, you know they they figure well if you're going to give us all this money we're going to go into those right to work states and not let people organize and now this group is saying now wait a minute uh, you're, you're getting this money here you got to give them give them the opportunity to go union right our, this is our money we're talking about uh, yeah. we're talking about our money that we pay as taxpayers that's helping to subsidize uh, these projects. So yeah, it's our money. And, and a lot of times these are, you know, foreign investors um, who aren't used to uh, uh, new world uh, construction practices or economics. Um, So it's really important that uh, we're focused on that, holding them to account for the money that they receive, uh, making sure that even if it's not union, that they're paying the proper wages uh, to people, but uh, also gives us the opportunity to talk to folks and uh, and organize them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been watching that uh, story that's coming out of uh, Arizona? It's a company from Taiwan that's a partner in the chips plant there. And TSMC. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the building trades are not happy with what's going on there, right? Well, we're, we're not very happy. And uh, we're, we're hopeful that we've uh, recently turned a corner. This is a situation where you know, a CEO of a strategically important company uh, from a geopolitical level 
um, uh, chips that are very important for us. He's building a manufacturing facility uh, outside of Phoenix and, um, you know, has not uh, been attuned to, uh, you know, safety and, and rules and, and what it costs to get skilled uh, professionals to build out the plant. So there's been quite a struggle, but I believe that the Biden administration is on top of it now. The Commerce Secretary has done a lot of work here. And I think we're on the right path, but it has been a, a struggle with uh, a CEO who, quite honestly, in my opinion, just has disdain for working people um, and wants to bring third world practices to uh, our country. And we're not going to stand for it. I hear you. Yeah. If you're going to build a plant in this country, you got to play by our rules. That's that's how it should be. Uh, Especially when good... you're going to get some of our tax dollars. Exactly. Exactly. It's our money again. Uh, I saw a story, too, on your website about, and this is good news, uh, uh, and we're talking about a project labor agreement here with Bechtel and General Motors. It's the Thacker Pass Project, and we're talking about the future here, clean, renewable energy. What can you tell us about this, uh, Sean? Yeah, this is, you know, this is mineral mining, okay? Right now, uh, uh, precious minerals that are required uh, for a lot of the new technologies in the green economy, um, we have to buy from China um, or procure from China. And we have the resources here in the United States. And due to, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, loggerheads over environmental practices over the years have prevented us from uh, accessing uh, these precious minerals. Um, but now that we have the Inflation Act, we have these new technologies, uh, our brothers and sisters in the, um, in, the, in the green movement are recognizing that uh, we need these minerals. We can't be at the behest of the supply chain that China dictates. And uh, Thacker Pass is one of the first very large uh, 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 mines that we're going to uh, uh, start construction on. We have another Rio Tinto mine in Arizona, where we have a project labor agreement. It's uh, still hung up in the environmental process. We're hoping to get that one resolved. And then there's uh, another project in, um, in the Imperial Valley of California on lithium, where we have a project labor agreement um, where we're going to mine lithium in a, in a safe, responsible way. So uh, copper from Arizona, lithium from Texas Pass in, uh, in California, um, starting to take control of the supply chain when it comes to precious precious metals. That's uh, that's definitely key to the future here, especially with all this uh, EV production going on right now. One more here, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's good to have the right people elected to office. And I know you're a big supporter of what President Biden has done over the past couple of years. And I saw this recently where the Department of Labor is awarding, and this is one of many, in this case, it was $11.7 million to help organizations prepare young people for the workforce in underserved communities. And this one targets Georgia, New York, and Ohio. Sean, this is so important. I know this is very near and dear to you because there's a lot of people that could be doing a whole lot better if they learn the skills, if they get into those pre-apprenticeship programs and in your, your BUD program. We fe- we've been featuring that on, on the show here, what, uh, what's happened over in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. In fact, mm-hmm. we had an iron worker on the show just a couple of days ago. But uh, just a couple of comments on this. I, I know you worked hard to get this kind of thing, but do you see more of this happening with this administration then? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a real focus on uh, on uh, targeted communities who who haven't always had the opportunities um, to get into the skilled trades for for various reasons. You you're very well aware that we've been for decades now running apprenticeship readiness programs, and with the advent of the Inflation Act, of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, and the Chips Act, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of four trillion dollars over the next ten years. So. At NAPTU, uh, we partnered with uh, the Urban League, the National Urban League. We're targeting four states in uh, Missouri, Ohio, uh, Tennessee, um, and uh, one more I'll draw a blank on right now. But uh, And we've been going around uh, to training centers, hosting events, which we call the Opportunity Pipeline, to highlight the work that's being done by our building trades councils with our community partners, uh, and the people that are coming through apprenticeship readiness programs and into apprenticeship and changing their lives. And we call these people coming into the industry now the infrastructure de- generation. Uh, this is the greatest opportunity to build the middle class since the end of World War II with this administration. And this new group of people, tens of thousands that will be coming in, learning the skill sets that last a lifetime, put them securely in the middle class, are called the infrastructure generation. I like that. Infrastructure generation. Nice way to go into Labor Day weekend. I like that. Sean McGarvey, you're always welcome here on America's Workforce, brother. Sean is president of North America's Building Trades Unions, nab2.org, for more information. You take care. Stay safe. Let's let's talk in, in the fall, okay, brother? I'll do it. And then uh, happy Labor Day to you, and stay safe out there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to Northwest Ohio. Check in with Iron Workers Local 55. Back in a few. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. 
Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to uh, Northwestern Ohio right now. Joining us on line number two is Rob Monak, and he is with Ironworkers Local 55, which is part of the Great Lakes District Council. That's the most recent sponsors here on America's Workforce, trying to get the word out on what they do and where they're going. Ironworkerslocal55.com is the website. And Rob, I guess you wear several hats. He's also vice president of Local 55. Talk to me a little bit about yourself first, how you got involved being an ironworker. Let's start right there, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I've got a unique evolution, I guess, if you will. So I <clears throat> went to college, uh, played football at the University of Finley, uh, graduated from there with a bachelor's in education, uh, never ended up teaching a day in my life, uh, went to grad school uh, at Tiffin University, and then uh, I, <laughs> I used to be a drug rep. I worked for Wyeth Pharmaceuticals, and... Uh, that went down the tubes, and uh, I, I grew up uh, in a blue-collar family. Uh, I graduated from Oak Harbor High School, and they used to call it local 55 and a half. <laughs> so I'm from, I was familiar with the iron workers, and I uh, went to school with a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, iron workers' kids and so on. And uh, it just, the trade fit me. You know, we're kind of like the linebackers of the trade, if you will. <laughs> sure. uh, and like I said, I always come up, you know, working. So, uh after all that, I went through the apprenticeship, and uh, almost 20 years later, here I am. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how I got to where I'm at. So, yeah, a, kind of a non-traditional path, I guess. So, Hey, you know what? You tried a number of things, and you obviously found what needed to be found. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah. And, and, and you yep. wear many hats. I see you're in charge of, let's see, business development, workforce development and in between you're an organizer so you got a lot That's going on correct. over there <laughs> how, how are we doing yeah. with organizing by the way let, let, let i know that's key to the future of unions what's what's a, what's the status in northwestern ohio um it's 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 uh there's there's common threads across the board you know throughout our district council and, and as well as other locals but we've kind of got uh, a unique gem you know we've got a pretty good working relationship with our competitors um we are the juggernaut you know in northwest ohio and, and it's a known entity um and as far as organizing i guess the core message has never really gone away you know with with someone wanting to rise higher um so it's it's a tough battle out there you know and and i don't know if we've mentioned it before but you know there are some legacy perceptions that still kind of reign true today. And once you really get in front of a person and talk to them as a human and meet them where they're at and break down those barriers, you know, we'll, we'll unpack that. Well, why, why does the company treat you well? Or, or, you know, some of the rejections we've heard, then, then you start to unpack that story and match it and meet them. Like I said, meet them where they're at and say, well, here's, here's our perspective. And, you know, does it line up with your way of thinking? And once that relationship starts to evolve, you know, as an organizer, then you, people start to, to, to think for themselves, really, and say, well, wait a minute, what's my floor and what's my ceiling here, you know, and how much, how much can I take? And, you know, um, we, we will get phone calls that might be a year later, for example, you know, once we talk to someone, and that, that does happen. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of got a, a, a unique mix here in Northwest Ohio. The fight's still there, and it's, it's a fight worth fighting. Um, 
because at the end of the day, you guys, when 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 you see someone elevate, you know, it, and it takes time. It takes time to get them work-wise, so to speak. But when you see them elevate, and then you see their families elevate with you know with the benefit packages that we have and so on, and the good living wages, um, it's really neat. It's really mm-hmm. neat to see someone and their family, you know, kind of hit the mark and hit the stride. So. Uh, it, it's out there, and that's that's the organic side. That's the boots on the ground side, you know, from the you know, bottom up, as they call it. From the top down, you know, you still see the abrogation of of, of greed. You know, there's there's a lot of institutional suppression out there that um, that uh, people buy into and don't even realize it. You know what I mean? And it's 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 there. I mean. Companies make good money off the skin of our back, and we ask for our fair share of it. When those who don't get that fair share, those companies are still making money. Yeah, you know, once you start saying, "Hey, well, think about this," you know, if they're charging you, if they're charging one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to have you on site, and you're getting seventeen dollars of that, who's winning here? You know? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of layers to it, man. Yeah, a lot of layers. You know, we just got off the phone with Sean McGarvey of the building trades, and we were talking about the changes in the prevailing wage laws. You know, it's so important that workers realize uh, these policies and how they can change over the years, depending on who's in office. I'm just wondering, with that being said, I I know Toledo, northwestern Ohio, I mean, there's some parts of the area that are pretty conservative. But how are we looking in that regard, Rob, in your opinion, especially, you know, getting that message to politicians so they understand what workers need and what they what they want moving forward uh that's that's a good point and um you know when, when prevailing wage was attacked and it's been attacked frequently over the years but the staying power of prevailing wage um has not gone away and you know it's 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 circled back around uh, obviously we've seen it you know repealed um in, in Michigan, you know, Michigan's doing some good stuff. They, they, they rebuked right to work. Um, and prevailing wage, you know, once we, as an organizer, once we talk to someone um, and say, do you realize that we are the prevailing wage? You know, we are the highest earning craft, you know, in this area for the work that's performed. You know, people just don't understand that. And once you unpack that story and then you say, hey, uh, are you on a prevailing wage job? Yeah, I've been on a prevailing wage job. Okay, well, you're supposed to get all of that on your check. And they they realize how much a contractor has, has really kind of, you know, twisted the knife in their back and 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 walked around that. It's, it's, it's our job to keep telling that story and making people question that and really right. stand up for what the rights that they have. And so, again, it's never really gone away. And, you know, on the political side um, – it's 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 a multi-layered approach you know uh, um, there's things that we can control and things we can't control and you've got to get in front of the right person with the right message and have the proper reach and frequency so that they understand that you know living wages i.e. prevailing wage trickles down to families you know are you a, a social burden in the community you live in or are you you know, a discretionary spender. And there is a difference between the two. I've literally had a guy, a couple guys from a contractor who had to legally separate from their wives, quote unquote, so that their wives and kids could get Medicaid insurance. I mean, obviously they were still under the same roof, but they had to legally, legally separate for stuff like that. And in today's day and age, 
it's just crazy that it's still there. Uh, and that, that prevailing wage tag, um, it's meant to, to rise people higher, you know, rising tide lifts all ships and we're on the forefront of that. So it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to, to kind of go out there and and sing that song and, and, and get people to think and get them involved. And, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's, again, it's a fight worth fighting. So. One more question here before we let you go. How are we doing attracting young folks into the trades over there in northwestern Ohio, Rob? Good. Um, we, we've had kind of an ebb and a flow over the past handful of years, called the past five years. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good thing. You know, I think once a young person – uh, gets in. I think we. I think it's just kind of a loose statistic. But if you can make it through your first year of your apprenticeship, you got about an eighty percent or better percent, you know, chance of, of making it through all four because it's hard. Yeah. You know, we expect the kids to to you know head down, mouth shut, go to work, do the job you signed up to do. You know, check your feelings at the door and be coachable, be pliable. You know, keep your belt on, and and do the job you signed up to do. Once they get through that, they realize, oh, okay. We call them aha moments. This is why we do it like this. You know you're five years and you're 10 years, you go, aha, okay. Um, <laughs> so getting them to us um, is uh, a multi-layered approach as well. You know, we do a lot of advertising, you know, we're in front of the different, um, the different groups, the different schools. Uh, so it's, again, it's, uh, uh, it's a busy time to do that, but um, we're, we're getting there. We would, we can always use more, you know, you we go. could always use more bodies walking through the door. Um, we have seen a slight downturn over the past couple of testing cycles, uh, but it has, it has started to rise up slowly. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a learning institution as well. It's not just putting yeah. your belt on and going to work. There's neck up and neck down work, so to speak. And, uh, you know, once the kids get in and once they get a couple of good paychecks under their belt, you know, they're, oh, okay. I, all right. I get it now. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we're getting there, but there you go. That's what we want. Rob Monak, who is with Iron Workers Local 55 in Toledo, Ohio. They're based in Toledo. They cover about 11 counties in northwestern Ohio. Ironworkerslocal55.com for more information, especially if you want to join. You take care, brother. Enjoy the uh, upcoming Labor Day holiday weekend. You earned it, okay? Yeah, we will. We look forward to talking to you guys again. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Writers Guild East and Documentary Workers United. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.